Alright, let's do this. No, I'm kidding. It's hindsight 2020. This one post-NFL Week 10, post-back-to-back losing weeks for Mike and I in the Super Contest. Uh, You know, this is usually a bad day for me, I'll admit, as someone who rides the emotional gauntlet as a gambler. Uh, back-to-back losing weeks in the Super Contest are often enough to ruin my Monday. However, I've been working really hard to get myself in a better place to be a little bit more accepting, pragmatic, you might say, especially when it comes to gambling, because the losing is so inevitable all we're trying to do here is grind out more winners than losers. Unfortunately, two and three back-to-back weeks doesn't happen. But I will say, I think Mike and I are getting really close to at least running a system that we can consistently go to. We're going to do it the rest of the year. That way we're able to reflect back, see how it did. Because here's what you got to remember, betting the NFL is hard enough. It's probably the hardest betting market there is because it's so refined. Winning 56%, 60%, you're a professional, you're making money. You don't have to have honest, gainful employment a day in your life. But when you're playing these contests, You're forced to pick five games every week. One thing I've really learned, especially after yesterday, is it's hard to believe that your best stuff goes beyond two or three games. I had a couple really good personal cash games yesterday that weren't involved in our contest, uh, and that was hard enough as it was. But there's no way some of these fourth pick, fifth picks going in the contest can be as strong just based on handicapping. And that and you know, that's for dopes like us. I'm even talking about professionals trying to put out five really solid NFL sides. This is the whole reason that we've gone with the category concept. Sort of take the wannabe sharp, wannabe handicapper out of it. Try to find the trends and the narratives that are a little more qualitative, associate them with the proper games, and see if you can ride the waves, that reality show that is the NFL season, and get yourself somewhere around 65-70% and make some money in one of these contests. It's a different task, that's why we're taking a different approach. I think we refined it well. But we did get a dud in there, and I'll start with that. I- I'm done with this wacky weather BS. Here's why it's BS. Because it's not really associated with any type of handicap that's going to pertain to the game. This is a new rule that Mike and I have to use when we're picking a category. The ca- It has to be that... Everything that you're doing, what what is the narrative character and does it apply to the game? If this factor is so important to the outcome of the game, is it possible that the books missed it? And 
if this category, this narrative doesn't come to fruition, do you still have a good enough point spread that you can carry yourself out? When I choose wacky weather for the Jacksonville game, I'm somehow thinking that one of the elite powerhouses in the NFL, San Francisco, because it's humid and windy, are going to play like a less than average team. In order for me to have a good play in this Jacksonville game, like that's got to happen. It's not like, hey, I actually think Jacksonville's a little underrated here. And oh, by the way, here's this weather factor that's going to affect the 49ers, but not the Jaguars. A little cherry on top that if we get it, our bet's even stronger. But if we don't, Jacksonville's still good. No, 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 no. I made this category as if to say the 49ers play inside a bubble and if they ever have to play in humidity and a little bit of wind, the entire offense will cease to exist. That was just dumb. It was too much to base the pick on. And God, you know, Mike even gave the clue. This is not a knock on him because I introduced this terrible game into our contest There was a lot of other picks we could have gone with that would have won if this one didn't go in there. And Mike even said, wow, I like that because I like the Jaguars so much, but I couldn't think of a category to get them in. That's our whole reasoning to say this game doesn't get in. Because Mike and I have our own contest, which by the way, I put Jacksonville in mine. Mike and I have our own cash bets. Which, by the way, I took my own money and bet it on Jacksonville. We didn't need to shoehorn this game into a contest based on a category that didn't really have any application to the actual outcome of the game. It wasn't a factor that was making this line a little bit more of a bonus. It was just a bad pick. We deserved to be blown out. That was the only thing I liked about it. I knew by the end of the first quarter, just watching Jacksonville get pushed around and Trevor Lawrence get hammered and Brock Purdy have no problem cutting the ball through the 14 mile per hour gusts that were raining through Jacksonville. I knew right then I was done. I could be at peace with it. Bad game. Shouldn't have made it in the category. Jacksonville plus three. That one is entirely on me. Now, here's another game that I kind of forced in that we took a loss on, but I feel differently about. Seattle, a six-point favorite over Washington. I like this pick. I really do. To me, it's a pro's loss. You just kind of knew going in that there was going to be times where Seattle made it look like it was going to be really hard. Then they were going to give you hope. Then it was going to be taken away. Then they were going to be back in the driver's seat. And then it ends like it does. Big third down play. Under two minutes to go. Washington catches a blown coverage and scores a 40-yard touchdown. Seattle ends up winning the game, but not covering the spread. Here's why... I'm actually proud of this pick. And I think this is important because as honest gamblers who are trying to get better, you have to look at the bets you made. And when they win, you have to admit when sometimes, hey, I got there, I cashed a ticket, 
But boy, the way I handicapped that game, that just did not come to fruition. But also, sometimes you're going to lose games where you're like, man, I saw that right. It just didn't work out. And this is a case where I said, here's how we go wrong in this game. Seattle tends to have trouble scoring in the red zone. Proof positive. They moved the ball up and down the field all day, but settled for five field goals. I said the other factor, Washington, they can score and they can score quick. They like to throw the ball around the yard. Obvious yesterday is they had two late strikes that took away Seattle covers. But that's exactly how I thought we'd miss if we missed. I just thought that that was the 45% probability and that the 55% probability was that Washington might be a little fatigued from a big road win last week, now traveling again. It was their fourth of five games that were on the road. Seattle got blown out last week in Baltimore, thought they'd come home, circle the wagons, hence the category, and have one of their best performances. That just didn't happen. But I did think it was more likely to happen than what we actually saw. And there were times where we almost got away with one in there. So I don't mind the Seattle play. Um, it's, it's just one of those things that, yeah, it didn't work out. But I think if, the, if Seattle had been a little less aloof about the game, I think they could have covered it easy. But it's also, and this is probably the most important advice that I can give and might give all season. If you're able in every game that you're going to bet, try to think how the other side gets home. And if you think, though, that your side is the 55% edge, you play those games. But always try to identify the 45% way it goes wrong. You're not going to be happy when it happens. But I promise you this, if more and more often the games that you lose, you are able to envision how it happens, those losses are going to happen less and less often. It's going to teach you how to walk away and when to press and really how to be selective about what your good handicaps are and what your so-so ones are. I promise you, focus on the way you can lose the game and pay attention if that comes to fruition. Didn't hate this pick at all. It didn't work out for us. Cleveland's a loser. Okay, I'm going to be try, try to be quick here on the Jets. Um, the, look, the Raiders played this game the way the Raiders play games to win. They ran the ball 32 times, and they had time of possession over 30 minutes. They made, made do with what they got, which wasn't much against a really good Jets defense. But here's my problem with the Jets, and I'm going to make this quick. There is this delusion in management and coaching that somehow Zach Wilson can be something he's not. You have to win in spite of Zach Wilson. You can't run the ball 21 times and expect to win. You have to figure out a way to get your playmakers involved that don't involve him holding the ball for six or seven seconds and taking a sack or throwing an interception. You have to work around this. Here's my why I'm so upset with the Jets. Josh Dobbs was available, and you didn't think you needed him. But you know you needed him. You know you needed somebody because you have Zach Wilson. 
and I feel sorry, and it's a crime against the guys who are playing on that defense that on even a mediocre skill level team would be looking like an all-time defense that could disrupt other teams in the playoffs. But they'll never be that because management in JetLife Stadium doesn't want to admit that they were wrong taking Zach Wilson as high as they did in the draft. They know they were wrong, and the world knows they were wrong, but if they keep putting him out there and saying everything's fine and letting him drop back and throw 30, 40 times a game, maybe someone will be convinced that this guy is actually something that he's not. It's just delusion and It's so typical for the Jets. It breaks my heart, man. You know, Mike and I, we've been friends for almost three decades. And one of our commonalities was we had heartbreak teams. Me with Philadelphia, him with New York. But I got a taste of that sweet, sweet life. (laughs) You know, a few years back when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And I want him to experience that too. I'm like emotionally invested And when I see a team like this with so much potential, it makes me mad. Not because Zach Wilson sucks. Teams have had quarterbacks who've sucked since time immemorial. But the fact that there is just not enough awareness between the coaching staff and management to do something about it. Your biggest problem in life is always when you don't know exactly what your problem is. This is a game that was meant to win for the Jets. It was low scoring. It was defensive. It was running the football. This was not, I don't think this was a bad pick by us. We knew what we were getting into. Everything set up the way it should for the Jets to be able to win this game. It was right side, wrong franchise. I don't know how Mike does it. It's the Jets. Moving on. All right, we had some heroics yesterday taking Cleveland, except me. I was a coward. I had this game in our contest, obviously, plus six and a half. I had this game in my contest, plus six and a half. I tried to talk myself out of taking it in my contest, switching it with Seattle. Glad I didn't do that. I finally convinced myself the reason you want to take it out is because it's so scary. You don't want to do it. You have a chance of looking so stupid. So as a coward, I didn't bet it. And then when on the first passing play of the game, Deshaun Watson throws a tipped ball that turns into a pick six, I felt like a genius. Uh, But this is the way Cleveland games go. Cleveland games are ugly. And frankly, people might be like, oh, Cleveland got lucky to win. Yeah, that's how Cleveland wins. The one thing you can say, though, is Cleveland is scrappy. As much S as I've talked about Deshaun Watson, he was getting it kicked out of him all day long. That offensive line and the injuries was so much harder to overcome. And you got to think, without the uh, running back Chubb, really it's hard for some of these backups to make ground. Kareem Hunt had some hero plays where he saved his quarterback. Defense in this game really played pretty well. I mean, they held Baltimore to three of eight on third down, one of two in the red zone, and they're just every game with Cleveland. They dominate time of possession. They have close to 35, 40 rush attempts. They just control the game. And 
the guys make plays, and when the guys on defense make plays, the guys on offense make plays. The only difference really between lousy Cleveland and lousy Jets is that Cleveland's scrappiness yields some dividends. They actually turn some of that fight into something where the Jets are just constantly paddling upstream. I don't mean to go back again, but it's just one of those things with Cleveland. You're going to look dumb a lot with Cleveland. You're going to curse a lot with Cleveland. But in the right spots, they play tough. They stuck in this game. They never gave up. It's the kind of team betters love to ride. I'm so glad we had this in the contest as the ugly Betty. I'm so glad I didn't talk myself out of uh, take you know leave it. I left it in my contest. I didn't take it out. I only wish I hadn't be a coward. Then I'd have a little bit of money in my pocket to go with it. Although uh, it seemed like the investment of a lifetime in the first quarter. Okay, last game here. I think our best pick of the weekend: Arizona plus two and a half. Like Murray wasn't great. Seven point eight yards per pass. He had no touchdowns and a pick. He only ran the ball 33 times for 33 yards on six carries with a long of 13 yards. But that 13-yard run was in actuality 107 yards once he was done running east, west, north, and south on the field. It was amazing. It was a spark that Arizona had not had in any game post the third quarter. I mean, Kyler Murray raised the energy level in the building, and what do you know? Falcons fold and fade, as usual. This was one of the games where we had a narrative that said, look, this line is basically saying Murray is hardly any better than the great tune, the, the quarterback that got rocked last week and had the lowest rating in like NFL history. So if he struggled we'd have a fair fight. We'd have a coin flip. But if you look anything like he did, we'd actually have the better team. Now, I know this game was close, but the concept made sense. It did not seem like the book was applying the chance that Kyler Murray might be a really good addition to the Cardinals here. It seems crazy. He wouldn't be a better addition than Clayton Toon. So it made sense. I know the game was close. But everything fit the category. I never looked at this game to play for cash or anything like that. I can obviously say in hindsight, I wish I had because it would have been a winner. But this was just a game, the only the only way I really got to it was when we explored the narrative, explored how it related to the point spread, and then knew if oh, we're wrong, if our storytelling time isn't true, We've still got ourselves a 50-50 proposition. It's not like the Jags game where if Brock Purdy can't throw through the wind, if he cuts through the wind, we're dead. No, 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 no. If this narrative wasn't true, we'd have a coin flip. But if the narrative is true, we'd have an edge. That's how we got to do it. That's how we're going to continue to do it. We're 58% on the year. We'd be profitable if we were just betting these games and nothing else. We got to do better in the concept, but I truly believe we're finding our groove. We're going to continue to grind, and we'll be back next Thursday with more picks, more games. Good luck, and happy betting.